Hey, Mel. Bri here. Gotta work from home today because the whole family caught a nasty... Daddy! Hey, Mikey! If you're gonna puke, find the popcorn bowl! But my availability is 110%. Coincidentally, so is my fever. <laughs> Kidding. Mel, I'm so cold but hot. Uh, but I'm gonna get you that budget. Just as soon as... Right. Mikey! Popcorn bowl! Press 1 to use Instacart and get your family's sick day essentials delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. Press 2 to keep working. Do not press 2. Just use Instacart. Brian. Let's talk a little college football right now and pleased to be joined uh, by Ben Kercheval who covers the uh, college football beat as well as the XFL for CBSSports.com. He's been a guest on the show before. Ben, it's great to talk to you again. How are you? I'm doing well. This NFC Championship game looking like a college football playoff semifinal, man. Yeah, exactly. Dude, dude, exactly. Blowout, dude. Right, I know. I feel like Oklahoma's out on the field right now. You're, yeah. you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. Um, I guess uh, just – Clean up from the championship game on Monday. Is this LSU team, where does this LSU team stack up, uh, Ben? Is this a Pantheon kind of team? Is this one of those teams that historically we're going to look back and we're going to put it alongside, you know, the early 2000s Miami team, you know, the team that won for Miami back in the early 2000s or maybe those USC teams or or, uh, some of the other teams in the 80s or 90s? Is it that kind of team in your mind? I think right now it's a little bit of an incomplete, only in the sense of, I think you need to give it a little bit of time to see what those guys do in the NFL. Cause you look at like the Oh one hurricanes team and the lasting legacy is not just that they were very good at the time, but you think about all the guys that they had on that team, even going into like the two deep and the three deep. Like one of my favorite stories is like Frank Gore was a backup man. And he's probably yeah. one of the best running backs to ever be in the league. So I think in that sense, you have to give this LSU team a little bit of time. Now in a lot of the latest mock drafts, you're talking about, four or five, maybe even six of those guys from LSU going in the first round. And certainly I think that adds to the legacy and the lore of of that team. But I think you can look back over the totality of the season and say, look, because they didn't beat whatever it was, five or six top ten teams. Like Texas wasn't a top ten team over the course of the year. At the time, it was a big matchup. Um, It's still a good win. But I think you look at later on down the season, when they had to play Auburn, when they had to play Alabama, when they had to play Georgia, and then you get into the playoffs and you have to play Oklahoma, you have to play Clemson. And so you get all of those teams, if not back-to-back, pretty much you know every other week. And this is the time of year when injuries start taking their toll and you know teams like other teams like Ohio State maybe not playing their best at the end of the year. And LSU just seemed to get stronger every single time and every moment that another team maybe got a little bit of a lead or counterpunched or you you know had some sort of momentum swing we think all right they're going to get back into it what was amazing about this LSU squad was every single time they had an answer and if you follow college football you know how unreliable college football players are i mean yeah. it, it, they did not take a single game off and that is, uh, that's pretty impressive given the, the caliber of opponents that they went up against, especially late in the season. Okay, there's a lot to unpack there, Ben. I want to, I want to stick with LSU for a second. And look, you can't take this championship or this season away from Coach O. They were tremendous. Coach O brought in Joe Brady, who was obviously a huge influence on Joe Burrow. There will be no Joe Burrow. There will be no Joe Brady. There will be no Dave Aranda, who took the job at Baylor. You mentioned all the guys that are leaving early at LSU. How big is 2020 for Coach O, just from a perception standpoint, among the the elite of the college football head coaches? So this is where you find out 
just how good you are long term and how hard it is to be a Nick Saban type. Because you know what Nick Saban goes through? This mm-hmm. every single year, even if they don't win a national championship. And so the reason why it's so hard to have a dynasty is because whenever you go out and you have this type of success, you win a national championship, people are going to want to emulate what you do. And the guys that you have as coordinators, they're going to get hired away because everyone wants to, to get in on what they're doing. Those players are going to go to the NFL and strike while the iron's hot. So to be able to go out and, you know, repeat that with, with new blood and new faces, it's extremely hard to do. Now, I don't think LSU is going to be, you know, they're going to take a little bit of a step back in 2020. And so I think you can give Ed Orgeron that. There's always a little bit of a grace period right after you win a national championship, but you can't have that be like the one-off thing where now you're going back to being like seven and five and eight and four. The bar has been set. Playoffs are the expectations every single year. It doesn't matter if Alabama is in your division or not. So I think for them long-term in you know the next two, three, four years, are they you know getting back to where they were? I think you can give them a little bit of a grace period in 2020, but that floor is, is very high now. The floor is you got to be on the cusp of a playoff. What kind of Alabama team are we looking at going into to 2020? Down a little bit this year, but down for Alabama is still better than 98% yeah. of college football. <laughs> yeah, down for Alabama was, oh, hey, Mac Jones is incredible. Like, that's, right? you know, Yeah, you're sitting there going like, now nah, look, he's no Tua. Mm-hmm. But Mac Jones is very, very good, and I, I think he's a very capable player. They still have some of those good wide receivers coming back. Uh, you know, D- Damian Harris is a, or, uh, you know, not, excuse me, not Damian Harris. Najee Harris was a, a really big win for them. Um, you know, they're going to reload again, and um, and they'll be right back in the picture. I, I think you're looking at Alabama and LSU. It's it's been a great rivalry in the past. I think it's been ratcheted up a couple notches. So uh, this is going to be a really capable squad, top five. Um, obviously, you know, you have to see how they do at, at at quarterback. Is the chemistry still there in that passing game? What about defense? Uh, you know, they were really hit by injuries and, and sort of put behind the eight ball in the front part of their defense even before the season began. But, you know, Dylan Moss is going to come back. So, I mean, I think if you have some of those questions get answered early on in the year, you're looking at them right back in, in sort of the normal picture that they're always in. Ben Kercheval, CBSSports.com, joining me on CBS Sports Radio. Ben, is Texas ready to take a spot at or near the top of the Big 12? And how important is it for the Big 12 to have a powerful Texas team? Well, I mean, they've had a really good, they've had a really good, not amazing Oklahoma team over the past few years. Um, so, you know, they've been able to sort of put their hat on that. Mm-hmm. But it would be nice if Texas was, was great again uh, more often than once every few years. I think the problem is in 2000, and I say it's a problem, the, the issue for them was in 2018, they overachieved a little bit. I, you know, they went out and won like 10 games. They probably were not a 10-win team. But so then what happens is, is, at Texas, if you win 10 games in year two, you can no longer underachieve, right? Like you've, you've set that expectation where you have to be better. I figured they'd take a step back this year. They did a little bit. Um, but, you know, getting Ellinger back helps. Um, I, I think for them to really be where they want to be, I mean, they're recruiting well, but defensively you've got to get better up front. Uh, you have to be able to reload so that every single year you're getting those guys who are, you know, day one, maybe day two draft picks. Um, and you can recruit blue chip athletes, 
but you've got to be able to develop them into those types of players. And right now, they're kind of like hitting half of that equation. So, and that's, uh, to me, that's sort of an issue with the Big 12 as a whole, is with your blue blood programs, you're recruiting pretty well. Uh, you're winning some games, but the difference between you and like an LSU or Ohio State or Clemson or Alabama is that on the defensive side, even though Big 12 defenses were a little bit better this year than people like to admit, uh, they don't quite have the NFL, the day one NFL dudes uh, lining up in the trenches and they're starting, you know, starting lineup. Ben, what do you think of Travis Etienne's uh, decision to go back to Clemson for his senior year? Well, I mean, my my opinion doesn't matter. I mean, he, I, it's not the business decision I I think a lot of guys in his situation would make. Um, that being said, that's his call. I respect the call. Um, it's not one that I, I think makes. It's not the one I would have done, but no mm-hmm. one's asking me, right? I'm not Travis Etienne, but um, you know I respect him for it. And uh, oh no, look at that! Clemson's just you know they get Travis Etienne back, <laughs> so you're sitting there going like, oh man, they're going to be really good again next year. So uh, good for him as long as it makes them happy. That that's what's most important. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Absolutely, Ben Kirchhoff, CBSSports.com. Hey Ben, before I let you go, you cover the XFL as well. We know that season's going to get started here in a few weeks. Which of the new I say new XFL rules. They're all new because it's the XFL. But which of the rules that that are a departure from NFL rules, overtime, kickoffs, um, there's a few others that are are mixed in there. Which one are you most anxious to watch play out in person? Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. So I was at a uh, practice for Houston and L.A. Uh, This was on – this was yesterday. And uh, and they were going over the new kickoff rules. And I'm just going to let you know right now, that's going to be weird for like three weeks. No one's, no one's going to be quite sure how to 100% handle that for like the first few weeks. Uh, you have to wait uh, until they get the ball before you're allowed to move. The uh, lines are only like five or ten yards apart. Uh, it's, it's, let me just say this. They had, to pra- they had to practice it, and everyone was, a few guys were standing around looking around like they didn't know what they were doing. So that, <laughs> that's going to be a little interesting to watch that unfold over the first, first two or three weeks. Let, let, me, let me position that a different way. Are there any of these rules that the XFL is using for, you know, for overtime or, or uh, conversions or you just mentioned kickoffs? There's different punt rules, too. Are there any rules that you like that the XFL is doing significantly better than how the NFL does it? Well, you know, a lot of these rules, and the AAF last year when I covered that, even if the rules weren't exactly the same, they stem from the same idea, which is how can we move the game a little bit faster? How can we make it a little bit safer, which in, in the special teams arena, which is, you know, the punting and the kickoff, um, is that, you know, you don't want those full speed long runs down the field where guys are just getting absolutely clobbered and knocked around. And, and so that's based off of safety studies, but it's also based off of what fans are interested in the most in, in terms of, you know, where their interest is peaked, where their interest is low, um, so that's been studied over really a couple of years, and, and I'm all for that. I'm all for making the game safer, and I'm all for speeding it along. So I think those instances are are really good for them. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I think you tweak with it a little bit, and, and if this thing lasts more than a year, we'll see. Uh, you know, I think they'll, they'll just continue to adjust it. But, I mean, I'm fine with all that stuff, and, and I'm great with two-point conversions too. I mean, you're seeing the NFL really start to get after that a little bit more. So, um, yeah, I'm all I'm all for that. What's your sense on the viability of the league? This is obviously night and day 
compared to the first iteration of the XFL, which was more of a wrestling-based TV product. This is this with Oliver Luck, obviously, is much more of, a, of an actual. I mean, way more. It is an actual football league. What's your sense on the viability, yeah. having spent some time around it? Well, I think it's what you just said. Uh, you know, I asked a couple guys behind the scenes. I said, you know, what is it about? this that's going to make it better and they said you know it's, it's football guys that are doing it and you mentioned all over luck i think you can even go down to the team level uh you know moose johnston is, is you know player ops for for dallas and uh he came from the aaf and uh, he really knows his stuff i just uh, saw randy miller with uh houston yesterday he was with the salt lake stallions last year with the aaf and those guys are, are really good at putting together rosters uh, i was talking to, to june jones yesterday and he said you know I've rebuilt programs my entire life. Uh, why SMU? This is the first time I really feel like I'm on a level playing field. So uh, I think the the notable difference from the first FX first XFL is exactly what you just said. Was you're going from like wrestling entertainment to okay, we it's got to actually be a football product that we're putting out there. Now the the key difference between the XFL and the AAF, uh, they're just very markedly different enterprises. The AAF was. Uh, you know, an LLC, they were trying to, to license the product uh, from a technology standpoint, sell it off, be profitable later on down the road. And in the meantime, you got to find liquidity with that. That's where everything kind of fell apart in the first few months of the season. And with this, you're not having to worry about that. And Vince McMahon providing that liquidity. You've got TV deals in place. So I, I think it really has a chance. I mean, I, the time of year in which this is being played, you throw in gambling, fantasy football, you know there's absolutely a degenerate niche for those things. Um, you know what? I, I'm a firm believer, and I said this last year, even when the AAF failed, someone's going to get it right, and it might be this one. Yeah, We'll see. Uh, ben yeah. Kirchival, CBSSports.com, covers college football and the XFL. Ben, really appreciate you taking a few minutes on a Sunday night. Go enjoy the – well, enjoy as much as we can the second half of this blowout here. <laughs> yeah, I'll probably turn it off and go watch like another episode of Netflix or something. Like there that, you go. So, there you yeah. go. We appreciate you, Ben. All right, there he is, Ben Kirchival. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this. Why? A lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 